0: Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher Kevin Connor. For more information, visit Kevinconnor.org.: Well, we'd like to uh, welcome you all again this afternoon, and we really uh, I personally, you know, as a uh, teacher and preacher, I really appreciate you coming out Saturday afternoon. I know Saturdays are very valuable days to men and women, and uh, appreciate you just uh, coming into town. And uh, just just making that effort. I know it is an extra effort to come, and I really appreciate it. Otherwise, I'd have to preach to my wife, and uh, then she'd want a love offering and uh, so forth. (laughs) (laughs) And she gets that all the time. Really. All right. So, uh, how many were not here last night? Put your hands up, please. Why? Uh, (laughs) uh, Just teasing. (laughs) Uh, welcome today. So, what we're saying here, if you were not here last night, last night's message was sort of very foundational. So, we encourage you to get the tapes. And just a little funny of mine that uh, people tell me, Kevin, we like your tapes better than your teaching. I say, why is that? They say, well, we can turn you off. So, so thank you for m- your ministry of encouragement. So, yeah. So, uh, when the tapes are ready, they'll sort of announce about that uh, sometime. Now, I mentioned last night, if you do have questions, I've got one here, uh, you can um, yeah, put, your, put the question there. leave your name off if you want to, so if we uh, have to attack a problem, we're not attacking a person. So, uh, I'll just keep that question for later on. Alright, if you've got your Bible in your hands, we've got to make the best of our time. We're going to stick pretty much to schedule. Might just go about five minutes past four, seeing we're a little bit later starting. And then uh, have a break for half an hour, go and get a cup of coffee or whatever drug you might be into, uh, or or tea, or something like that, and then we'll have our second session and then uh, break for dinner tonight, and then have our third session tonight, at 7 o'clock. So take your Bible in your hand, let's have a word of prayer and ask the the Lord to help us again. Father, we just uh, take your your wonderful word in in our hands again, this word is forever settled in heaven this word that you've exalted, even above all your name. And as we hold uh, hold your word in our hands, uh, once again we ask that the Holy Spirit, who inspired this word, will quicken our hearts uh, as we've been singing today, Lord, open our eyes, open our minds, open our understanding, that the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon us. And may we have just uh, open spirits, Lord, and just to prove these things, weigh these things that we're sharing uh, in this... um, frightening age, yet a very exciting age. So bless your word to our hearts and enlarge us spiritually. Far. Once again we pray Lord, it will not just be information to the mind, but formation of our lives and our characters so that uh, we'll be better communicators to a lost and dying generation. We ask this in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said Amen. All right, let's turn our Bibles then, and uh, uh, as I said, if you're not able to be here last night, I do want to encourage you to try and pick up the, uh, the uh, tape from last night, because I don't want to take the time to sort of repeat uh, or review too long here. All right, Matthew chapter 24, and uh, because we have a lot of material to cover in your notes, uh, I'm going to have, to have to touch on some high spots. Um, Uh, as uh, all of us realise we could spend a lot of time on a number of these different points. Alright, I want to read Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to pick up from verse 3 right through to uh, verse 31. I don't make any apology for reading the word, just for what we want to cover in our sessions this afternoon. All right, Matthew 24 and verse 3. I'm reading from New Authorised. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to, be, uh, to, to, uh, to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, uh, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness or iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold, wax cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes." But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be on uh, in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And the those days were shortened, no flesh will be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look here, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, uh, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner, inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. To the other. Pray that the Lord will bless His word to our hearts. Now, if you've got your notes uh, here this afternoon, let's turn quickly to them. All right, now on page one uh, of our notes, uh, last night we spent our first session, particularly on number one and two. And uh, the basic theme of what we were covering last night, just very, very briefly for those who are not able to be here. uh, We were looking at how Jesus had uh, ministered for some 30, uh, I'm sorry, he'd been born, we have his birth, and then 30 years later his baptism, and uh, the silent years of 30 years, and then as we understand it, three and a half years of Christ's ministry, the first half, as I understand it, of the 70-week prophecy, and then we have... Jesus, as we saw last uh, night in our session, how Jesus, maybe if you still got your Bible open, you still glance at um, chapter 24, first couple of verses, how Jesus has ministered in the temple of God, the beginning of His ministry, He cleansed the temple, close of His ministry, He cleansed the temple, and then uh, we noticed last night together how He said at the beginning, my Father's house, a house of prayer, then at the close of His ministry He said, my house meant to be a house of prayer for all nations, and then they rejected that cleansing prophesied of by Malachi uh, uh, several hundred years before, uh, the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple, but who may abide the day of his coming? And when Jesus came to the temple, he didn't come the way that they expected, in a spectacular manner, but in a cleansing manner. And so now Jesus ends up at that three and a half years ministry saying, your house is left unto you desolate. As we referred to that last night, it was what I call a physical symbolic act. And Jesus said, Your house left unto you desolate. And he went out and departed from the temple, never to return to a material temple. And he immediately prophesied its destruction. Not one stone would be left unturned upon another. He'd wept over the city of Jerusalem, and now he prophesied the destruction of the temple. And then we picked up in verse 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, he saw a mountain was symbolic of a kingdom, and Jesus in this physical symbolic act sitting and uh, I believe it was ultimately pointing to that time uh, after his death, burial and resurrection when he ascended up on high and the father said to the son, sit on my right hand until all your enemies be made your foot still. Then in uh, number 2, chapter 24, verse 3, this is on your notes, page 1, the disciples ask a threefold question. As Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives there and giving what I call a panoramic book of Revelation, panoramic view of events, right from his ascension, right through to the second coming, uh, the disciples ask a threefold question. Let's look at it just very, very briefly again. Number 1, tell us, When will these things be? Referring to the uh, desolation of the city of Jerusalem, referring to the destruction of the temple, and I think we covered that quite fully last night. In AD 70, all these things, and uh, Matthew chapter 24, 25. It's like one of those, and many, many expositors of the Scripture believe this, that many prophecies have what we call a dual fulfilment, So there was a local uh, measure of fulfillment back there in AD 70, I believe. That's a whole session in itself. But the ultimate fulfillment, I believe, is uh, in the end time generation, right through the second coming of the Lord. So uh, Jesus did not come back in that time. Uh, The moon didn't turn to blood. The sun wasn't dark. A number of things that are in Matthew chapter 24, 25 did not take place in AD 70. So what I'm saying there is there was a measure of fulfillment and I have a lot of my friends in uh, that particular tradition and school who say, well, it was all fulfilled there. I say, well, no, I believe there was a measure of fulfillment but the ultimate fulfillment is, is in the uh, generation that's alive to the coming of the Lord. So I uh, hope, uh, you know, realizing we're coming from different traditions here. All right, so number one, tell us when the, uh, these things will be. Number two, the second uh, part of the threefold question is, What will be the sign of your coming? And uh, we refer you again to verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. So the sign of your coming. And the third part of the question is, um, and of the end of the age. Not the end of the world, but the end of the age. All right, threefold question. Now what I'd like to do here, I'd like you to turn to uh, your notes and turn over to page uh, 5. Uh, I'm not sure whether page 5 or whether you want to uh, turn to page 8. Maybe uh, you you might just have to adjust your little diagram there. I want to pick up uh, particularly, and uh, as I said, we're going to have to touch on some of these very briefly uh, because of our time uh, slot here. All right, now this uh, diagram is a little bit fuller than what you've got in the, in the, uh, in the part there. As I said last night, uh, jigsaw puzzle teaching, laying out all the parts of the puzzle and then not forcing the parts but just bringing the parts together as they lock and interlock. All right, now there's six particular words I want you to, uh, to draw attention to and if you want to fill in your chart or else um, uh, the outline here, okay. In a moment we're going to look at the first warning Jesus gave but Uh, The first word I want you to pick up, if you want a number, number one is the word beginning. Everybody say beginning. Beginning. Alright, the next word, number two, the second word I want to pick up is the word end. Everybody say End. So when Jesus is given this panoramic book of Revelation, remember that what John gets in the book of Revelation, what Paul gets in Pauline eschatology, none of it contradicts what Jesus has sort of given in a simple uh, pro forma here in Matthew 24, 25. So he gives us a point of beginning and then a point of end because of us, when shall be the end of the age? All right, the third word I want you to note is tribulation or great tribulation. Everybody say tribulation third word then the fourth word I want us to look at here is uh, up here the word coming everybody say coming and then there's a word that's not on your notes there but uh, I mean it's on your notes on on the outline on page um, page two number nine it is and it's the word trumpet so I'd like you to put say uh, above the word coming just put trumpet everybody say trumpet Okay, and then the, uh, uh, the next word we're looking at here, i draw your attention to, is the word kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. All right, so beginning, end, great tribulation, uh, coming, trumpet, and kingdom. It's sort of uh, just, uh, you know, it's like when you uh, want to go somewhere, you want to look at your mailway and just say, well, uh, you don't want anybody sort of giving you all the too much intricate details now. So if you go down this street and on the, on the next corner you'll see a, a gas station. Opposite to that there's a tree, it's got one banana on. If you turn up a little bit, there's another apple tree there. You don't want that. You just say, look, here, here, here. Here's the main points. And then as you're traveling along, you can pick up the details. So these are main words that I want you to pick up in uh, Matthew chapter 24. 425. All right, now let's go to number three on your notes, back on page one, and I'll leave that up there uh, because we've got a a bit of fill-in to do uh, in the course of our sessions this afternoon. All right, everybody alive? Everybody awake? Okay, thank you for the underwhelming response. Everybody awake? Great. Okay, number three. All right, number three on page one, we're continuing now. All right, now you'll notice that in relation to the second coming events, the first warning that Jesus gives is the warning against deception. And uh, you'll notice that the word deceived is actually used four times. And I want you to notice the verses. I've got it on your outline there. The the warnings against deception. And if you're like me, you mark your Bible. Let's note the four uses of this word deceived. Verse 4. Matthew 24. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So a warning against deception. And uh, uh, without going into any of the Greek thought here or the Greek uh, word, the actually the uh, the the Greek word is sort of like plano, and it comes from planet, or we get planet from it, like a planet. And actually, what it is, it's like a planet that's got out of orbit. It's gone out of its uh, orbital path. And just wandering in the starry heavens until uh, eventually just crashes, and that's the whole thought and the warning of deception. Take heed that no man deceive thee. You just don't turn astray like a planet that's out of orbit, out of its God-appointed will, and you end up in a great falling away. So, a uh, ge- uh, deception. Take heed that no man deceive you. Uh, second use of the word deceive is in verse five. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, or I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you see, over the years, and uh, those of you who have been around the traps like I have, you've heard probably people say, well, this is Antichrist, and uh, uh, Mussolini was Antichrist, Hitler was Antichrist, uh, uh, all these different Antichrists, and every time they raise up an Antichrist, someone shot him or he committed suicide, and they had to get another one. Okay, Because they missed a point, that, uh, I'll say this and sort of maybe we'll get to it, but see, Antichrist actually comes from the church. And it is going to be more of a religious political deception than just political. And this is why John, without turning to this, this is why John says, you have heard, little children, it is the last time, and, and the Greek word for last time is, it is the eschaton, from which we get eschatology, 1 John chapter 2. So he says, little children, it's the eschaton, it's the last time. You have heard that the, and many of the Greek authorities say that the article should be, you've heard that Antichrist will come, so you've heard that the Antichrist come will come, so a personal Antichrist, not just a system, not just a spirit. And see, these are some of the things that, uh, you know, over my many, many uh, years of study now that, uh, you know, we, we are such extremists, not us here, just everybody else, right? Uh, such extremists. And so, thesis and antithesis, balance is generally down the middle, synthesis. So, I'm synthetic, I'm sort of uh, between what I think are two extremes. So, some people say, no Antichrist, it's a system. Others say, not a system, it's a spirit. Others say, it's a person. Uh, the Bible shows us that all three parts are true. Antichrist is both a person a system and a spirit. So John says, little children, it's the eschaton, it's the last time you've heard that the Antichrist will come. Even now, there are many Antichrists. So it's like a head and a body and a spirit. But he said the spirit of Antichrist is at work. And you see, on the positive side, the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Amen? Everybody can say amen. He is the Christ, the anointed. And there are many Christians who are anointed ones, members of the body. And what is the connecting, or the connection between Christ, the head in heaven, and the many-membered many body of Christ, Christians in earth? The spirit of Christ. And it's the spirit of Christ that connects the many Christians with Christ, the head in heaven. That constitutes the Christ. Now, on the negative side, you see the same thing. Antichrist, coming, uh, summing up in a head. And even now, there are many antichrists. And what did John say? They went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have continued with us. And so says all of us, hippo bo. Yeah. No, no, I just said that little little bit of Australian there just to get John across. So, warnings against deception. So he says, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. And uh, this may be a little bit of a shock statement for us, you know, depending on our tradition. What does the name Christ mean? It means the anointed. Now, you cannot go by the anointing. Because there is a true anointing and there's a false anointing. And so the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, or chapter 8, if they, when they say to you seek unto familiar spirits and uh, spirits that peep and chirp and mutter and stutter, if they, that's the spirits, do not speak according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. So deception, so we do not go by the anointing we go by the Word. And even the Apostle Paul, the Bereans, will rise enough to check out an Apostle over against the Word. And that's what you have to do. It's what the Word says. How many can say amen to that? All right, so false anointings, true anointings, false anointings. All right, second warning against deception. All right, go down to verse 11. Next use of the word deceive, and it's in verse 11. And here's this religious thing, and I do want to say this kindly, you know, we, we try to be kind and, uh, and truthful in these things, but you see, a lot of the thing we're dealing with uh, in the whole uh, world situation, the terrorist situation, that uh, uh, Islamic, and not, not all, but Islamic, it's a religious thing against Christianity. And Jesus said, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. Yet at the same time these things are happening, Jesus is actually appearing to many Muslims and pointing them away from the Koran to the Scripture. And those who've got any background on, on this will understand that. And so there's the negative and there's the positive. Many Muslims coming to Christ. How many can say praise God? Because God loves every nation. Out of every kindred, tongue, tribe and nation, there's those who are being brought to Christ. And then there's the negative. All right, so in verse 11, religious political things. So verse 11. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. So false Christ, false anointed ones and false prophets. The religious thing. And then uh, in verse uh, 24, the fourth use of the word deceive. Both are brought together. So in verse 24, Jesus says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, and personally I do not believe it's possible, I'll tell you why in a moment, but if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So we have four warnings against deception in this chapter, and as I said, I'm, I want to be as kind and truthful as I understand, but you see, I believe there's a lot of deceptive teaching going on today about the second coming. And uh, you'll have to take this very kindly and say, well, if you disagree, let's disagree agreeably and don't lose your second blessing or your sanctification over it. I believe one of the biggest deceptions today is the any moment secret rapture. Thank you, Kevin, for that excellent point. Uh, That was really, really interesting. Uh, Tomorrow night we're going to be talking about that. Can Jesus come any moment? Will Jesus come as the theme night? We're going to be talking. Uh, so if there's two or three of you here, I'll be happy to talk to you. <laughs> All right. Just very quickly, because as I said, there's so much material on this. I want you to put down four major sources of deception just on this point. Then we'll move up to our diagram. So four major sources of deception. And what is the thing that's going to save us from deception? Kevin Connor can be deceived. All of us can be deceived. How do, how do we know? Okay. All right. Number one, human deception. Ephesians chapter 4, you can put this under deception if you can squeeze it in. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. Human deception, where Paul says, uh, warns the Ephesian church uh, not to be deceived, that we might grow up to maturity as members in the body of Christ, that he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, fivefold ministry, ascension gift ministries, we speak of them as, uh, for the uh, edifying of the body of Christ, that we grow up to a perfect man and not be carried about by every slight of men and the trickery of men and the deception wherein they lie in wait to deceive us. So, human deception. Number two, second major source of deception is by Satan and demon spirits under his control. So, satanic deception. So, number one, human deception. Number two, satanic deception uh, by Satan and the demon spirits under his control. And just uh, uh, one scripture will be sufficient on this. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. And uh, here we're told that the devil deceives the whole world. So deception. And uh, I, I don't know if I've got some uh, of my friends. I have a lot of friends in what's referred to as our, our millennial school. And uh, we have a uh, little bit of bickering and bartering now and then. And so uh, my millennial friends, and if you are, uh, God bless you. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are windmills. Some say, well, I'm pan-mill, it'll all pan out, pan-mill, windmill, arm-mill, post-mill, pre-mill, trib-mill, it'll just, it'll all pan out. And windmill, They'll just go around whichever winds are blowing. Okay, and so they tell me that the devil's already bound, he's been bound a thousand years. I say, well, if the devil's bound, and he's not deceiving the nations anymore, who's carrying on his job? And they tell me he's on a long chain. And for those of us, I have to explain this when I'm in America, so if it's a long chain, why don't you pull it? <laughs> and uh, then I have to interpret that for my American brothers and sisters. All right, so uh, then they do tell me he's going to be let loose at the end of the age and deceive people. Well, warning after warning, nearly every epistle of Paul writes, he warns, be not deceived, be not deceived, be not deceived. Those who do such things and there's a whole bunch of sins there will not inherit the kingdom of God so satanic deception revelation 12 9 number three and uh, number three yes this is a, a, another major source of deception and it's sins deception sins deception and hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 a very challenging verse there because uh, I, I want our teaching not only to be just eschatological but also practical, and we the practical and the eschatological together. Sin's deception, Hebrews 3 and verse 13. And the writer warns us about being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Wow. And what illustrations we could give of, of that of people who get involved in immorality and say, Well, the Lord told me to leave my wife and marry this woman. So that was the devil. That was deceitfulness of sin. And then, probably the worst form of, of deception, number four, is self deception. Self deception. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. And, and John says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. So human deception, satanic deception, sin's deception, and number three, self-deception. And I think number three is probably the worst form of deception. That's it. I want you to turn over one more scripture before we continue on here. And uh, over the years, as I've studied the Word of God and meditated on these things and sought the Lord and tried to be you know, 100% sold out to the Lord, I said, Lord, what is the thing that's going to save us from deception. Turn over to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. All right. Second Thessalonians. I'll keep talking while you're turning to there. And uh, that's why I believe it's very important. Jesus has just gone up in the mount. He's prophesying the destruction of the temple. He's about to give an order of events within reason of his uh, right through the second coming. First thing he does is warn the disciples against deception. All right. Second Thessalonians chapter two. And we'll pick up just uh, from verse 1, just two or three verses here. And this chapter, as I understand, is referring to the coming of the Antichrist. So he says, now, brethren, we beseech you concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. So the coming of the Lord and our gathering, actually the rapture, if you please, and we'll talk about that tomorrow night. So I beseech you concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as supposedly come from us, as if from us, as as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, what day? The coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto Him. In other words, the second coming and the rapture. That day will not come except there come, number one, and a falling away, Greek word there is apostasy. We've heard of that last night. Great apostasy that's going on in many churches today as they turn from the faith, once to live with the saints. And, uh, and number two, the man of sin is revealed, referring to uh, the Antichrist. Let's go down uh, to verse um, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? Because they do not receive a love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God will send them Strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Not just believe a lie, but believe the lie. And that they all might be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. so what I've done here, I've underlined in my Bible, deception, deceivableness, love of the truth, believe the lie or believe the truth. Everybody in the world is going to believe something. They're either going to believe the lie or believe the truth. What is the thing that's going to save us deception? And why does, why does God send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie? Yeah, you, know, you won't believe the truth. Then there's no alternative. There's no in between. There's no neutral ground. You either believe the lie or believe the truth. So for this cause, what cause? Because they did not have a love for the truth. And I believe that's one of the major things that all of us need in these days, to have a love for the truth, even if it hurts. How many can say amen this afternoon. So So I say, God, give me love for the truth, even if it hurts. So warnings against deception. And you see over church history, I've got a list of things here uh, where people have dates set, you know, the early Christians believed in Paul's day that Jesus would come. He had to write them and say, look, Jesus is not coming until certain things take place. In A.D. 1000, because many interpreted Revelation 1,000 years, and when A.D. 1000 came, many people sold their homes, lands, and goods, believed the Lord's coming. And then some interpreted the Daniel prophecies in Revelation of 1260 days, said that's 1260 years, so in A.D. 1260. Uh, many sold their homes and expected the Lord to come. Then Bohemia in AD 1365. He said the Lord was coming. Then 16th century, 17th century, even Isaac Newton, 1715, the Swedenborg movement, 18th century and 1836. They set dates. Some of the early Ir- Irvingites, some of the early Plymouth Rev set dates in 1830 for the Lord's coming. Some of the, uh, one of the branch of the Seventh-day Adventists, 1843, 1844. And uh, I don't know how many got hold of the book Uh, one brother wrote in America some years ago. 88 reasons why Jesus Christ will come back in 1998. How many got hold of that book? Well, Jesus didn't come back and so he had to write another book the next year. uh, 99 reasons why Jesus didn't come back. Uh, so, but, but he got rich out of it because the dumb Christians had bought his book, but none of us here. Okay, thank you, Kevin, for that. <laughs> Wonderful point. And uh, some people have actually set the date for the year 2000, Y2K. GST, God said tards. That's what GST means to me. All right, now, how are we doing? Okay, let's take a few minutes now and I want to, us to go to the diagram. So warn is against deception. How many say, Lord, give me a love for the truth even if it hurts? Know the truth, the truth sets you free. All right, now, I want you to go from number three on page one here and I want you to go to number five. Number five. And if you've got your Bible open because uh, uh, I like to encourage people to mark their Bible, let's pick up, First of all, the beginning. So, okay, so a point of beginning. So, uh, remember I said dual fulfilment, so I believe in A.D. 70, uh, a number of these things happen, just that the Lord didn't come. Okay, number of events, but dual fulfilment of this So A.D. seven. So in verse 8, listen to what Jesus says. After warning against deception, he warns against wars and rumours of wars. Um, don't be troubled, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, uh, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in divers' places, all these things are the beginning of sorrow. So we have a point of beginning. Much uh, happened in AD 70, but not the total fulfillment. Then we go to the next word, the word end, and you'll notice that the word end is used four times, in this chapter, and as I said last night, I believe that Jesus is actually answering their questions in these two chapters, Matthew 24 and 25. Note the use of the word end, and I've marked them all in my Bible. So verse 3, and of the end of the age. So they're asking, what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. All right, verse, um, verse 6, next use of the word end. He says, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. Uh, See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. The end is not yet. And then go down to verse 13. After going through these other things, beginning of sorrows, betrayal and so forth, he that shall endure unto the end, the same will be saved. And then verse 14 to me is such a clear, unmistakable sign uh, of the end. And so, so answering the question. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations and then. And not until then shall the end come. Now... Again, I try to say these things as kindly as I possibly can. But you see, I've had a lot of my friends over the years say, oh, if the early church had just preached the gospel uh, to all the world, then Jesus would have come back. Way back there. Well, I'm glad he didn't. Anybody else? Because I wasn't even born. So if he had come back there, none of us would have been born. And we would have missed this seminar. I mean, it would be just... That'd be terrible, wouldn't it, eh? All right, so I don't believe that. And, and let me say this just to qualify. You have to say a sentence and qualify it, then qualify the qualified and the unqualified so everything is qualified. So uh, people say, you know, and I've heard preachers say this, look, if we do this and hurry up and get, uh, th- then Jesus will come back. We can hasten the day of his coming. I personally don't believe that now. I'll do talk about that tomorrow night, some of my uh, interesting experiences over the years. Um, yeah, uh, and people say, well, if you do this, you'll hasten the coming of the Lord. Listen, Jesus came right on time the first time. Nobody could hasten his coming. Oh, I've just seen the light. Thank okay. uh, you. That's my wife taking photos. She wants it in her magazine. Her box number is 666. So, so you know, say, look, the prophets knew that Jesus would come the first time. And they couldn't hasten his coming and they couldn't postpone his coming. He came right on time the first time. And we can say amen to that. But the same with the second coming. We're not going to hasten his coming. We're not going to postpone it. You know, people said, oh, Kevin, you're blaspheming. You're putting off the coming of the Lord. Little me? Little pipsqueak me? Hey, if Jesus sneezed, I could drop dead. No. No one's going to hasten his coming. No one's going to postpone it. He's going to come right on time in the fullness of time. Jesus was born of a woman. In the fullness of time, He's going to come back the second time. There's a job to be done. Church hasn't finished its work yet. Still souls to be saved. How many can say amen to that? Alright, so the end. So, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then... And uh, as far as I know, like talking to Peter Wagner and some of these experts on this area, they say there's still about 1,500 tongues that have never heard the name of Jesus yet, haven't even got one verse of scripture in their language. But the, John says, out of every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, the Lamb is going to see the fruit of his death. And uh, again, take this kindly. I, I personally believe the secret rapture uh, has become such a, a selfish escape for many people. Oh, Jesus, just come and get us out of it and let the world go to hell. Hey, no. I don't want Jesus to come back until the last soul that's going to be saved is saved. We've got a job to do. Still harvest time. Decade of harvest. And we can say amen to that. So that's it. Yeah, so nothing alters that. Okay, now, let's just before we take a break. I want, I want you to t- uh, turn over to the book of Daniel. We'll just take a couple of more minutes here, then we'll take a break. Some time years ago, the head can only take what the seat can endure. <laughs> I want you to turn over to Daniel, the book of Daniel. And I want you to pick up a, a, an expression that's used in Daniel, as well as Revelation uh, as well as, uh, Matthew. Matthew. Um, Right, while you're turning over to Daniel, uh, let me just give you a couple of scriptures uh, on, on this point here. I want you to, you know, we're talking about end time events and where we are uh, in the eschaton. So we've got a point of beginning. All these things that were going to happen back there. Jesus said these are the beginning of It's just the beginning. Then in response to the question, tell us when will the end be then? So, when will these things be? The overthrowing of the temple, desolation of of Jerusalem, and the beginning of sorrows, all these things, and we're going to fill in this seven in our next session. Tell us when the end of the age will be. Well, he's given us the answer. The end of the age, this gospel of the kingdom, is going to be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then... And not until then shall the end come. Now, I want you to note the use of the word end in in Matthew and then hold Daniel a moment. Matthew, let let me just give you the scriptures. Am I talking too fast? I was born in a hurry. Mum wanted to get rid of me. All right, Matthew chapter 13, verses 39, 40 and 49. Matthew 13, and I'm not turning to it. Matthew 13, verse 39, verse 40 and 49. In the parable of the wheat and the tares, when, the, when the, those who were sleeping woke up and saw the tares were coming among the wheat, they said, let's tear out the tares. And Jesus said, no, let them grow together to the end of the age. End of the age. And Jesus said, the harvest is the end of the age. All right. In the parable of the fish and the good bad fish, the same gospel net got mixture. So good and bad fish in the net. And they were there until the end. And then in the end of the age, uh, they were brought to the shore and there was separation. Matthew chapter 28, verse 28. Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 28. I am with you to the end of the age. I am with you till the end of the age. Now, let's look at uh, two or three verses in Daniel before we just uh, uh, take a break. Uh, Daniel chapter 8. And verse 17, Daniel chapter 8, verse 17. And uh, it may depend on the type of translation you've got. I'm reading from uh, old authorised and new authorised. We've got a dual translation. So uh, we're told Daniel chapter 8, verse 17. Yes, Daniel 8, verse 17. So, I came, so he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on, uh, on my face. Uh, but he said unto Under me, Understand, O of man, for at the time of the end... Shall be the vision. Everybody say, the time of the end. The time of the end. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 19. I've got it marked in my Bible. For at the appointed time, the end shall be. Tell us when shall the end be. What will be the end of these things? The time of the end. The appointed time of the end. Or the, at the appointed time, the end shall be. Daniel chapter 11, verse 27. Daniel eleven 27. I'll just quote it. For the end will be at the appointed time. Daniel 11.35, Once you turn to this, this one? This is a frightening verse and a verse to pray over. Daniel 11.35, and some of them of understanding shall fall to try them, refine them, to pur- purify them and make them white until the time of the end. Because it's still for an appointed time. Time of the end. Chapter 11, Daniel 11 verse 40, at the time of the end, at the time of the end. Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, we'll see how this relates in a moment. Daniel 12 verse 4, Daniel heard things about the 70 week prophecy and some of the prophetic events concerning the beasts and what have you in God's zoo. And the Lord said to him, seal the book, Daniel, till the time of the end. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 6. Daniel asked the question, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? So time of the end, how long to the end of these wonders? Daniel chapter 12 and verse 8. And again he asked the question, what shall be the end of these things? What shall be the end of these things? Very similar to what the disciples asked. Tell us when the end shall be and the end of the age. And uh, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 9. Daniel 12 verse 9. The words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. This word time and time of the end is used about 10 times in Daniel in those chapters. So let me finish this section here. I believe that you and I are living in the time of the end, not the end of time. That's important to get on. Not the end of time, but the time of the end. As as those 15 things we mentioned last night, all evidences that we are living in the time of the end. Not the end of time, but the time of the end. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. You can also watch this five-part seminar on video at kevinconnor.org forward slash courses.